I'm Alex Cox. And I'm Kathy Campbell. And this is Roboism. A podcast about robots and tech and isms, but mostly robots. And today, mostly about one specific cyborg who I have fallen in love with this past month. Oh, I can be annoying and say this whole year, all of 2022. (laughs) 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 But speaking of uh, hee hee, ha ha, ho-hos, you texted me earlier and said, oh, we got a message from our Canadian correspondent, don't go on Twitter. And I don't know if you know, Kathy, but there's some, um, you know, some not so great right wing uh, stuff going on in Canada. So what the heck are you talking about (laughs) when you say don't go on Twitter? (laughs) I just didn't want you to be spoiled. Oh, okay, That's Uh, all. Well, I know. But I thought, like, are they like, have they gotten the robots? Like, I I don't know who. I mean, yes. (laughs) Yes, but specifically, are you familiar with Robert's? No. Okay, well, I'm going to send you a link in our super secret chat. Super secret chat. And I would like you to visit that link. All right. I am opening a link that says smart drone technology will protect birds from industrial hazards. <gasps> oh, that's oh. a robot and it's a bird and it's so cute. Okay. Well, uh, hey, hey, Parapals, when you say it's a bird and it's a robot, I, I would have thought, oh, it's like this metal thing. No, no, no. This, this is a a robot bird. Like, this is a bird that just happens to be a robot. It looks way too real. Oh, well, my gosh. And I'm going to blow your mind a little bit more because if you scroll down that page a little bit, you will find a video. Oh, 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 oh. I, okay, I Am I watching this video? I would like you to watch this video, at least the very first beginning part. All right. I am um, watching It's now. only a minute and 26 seconds, so I think it it's enough for you to have your mind blown a little bit. <gasps> oh my gosh. I I was like this is too good to to be true or or like this this photograph is just you know like really enhanced. No, this oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I like Kathy, you know I look at a lot of robots. Yes. And yes. this this little birdie right here I, I I don't know why I'm so uh, shocked. Like, this is the one time where I genuinely wish folks could see this. Like, please, oh my gosh, go to the show notes, roboism.fm um, or ro- relay.fm slash roboism switch on. Um, yes. I'm not sure. <laughs> show notes. <laughs> Something like that. But wherever it's... you're listening to this, podcast, there will be an ability to view show notes either above, down, below, scroll, tap, something. Um, And if you are using an app that doesn't have show notes, what are you doing with your life? Probably using Spotify, which, um, you know, it's your life, but but you should stop. Um, At least for podcasts. But this, it's it's like, uh, if you look closely at this bird, it looks like a robot, I guess, but it's almost... Like, do birds have an uncanny valley? I don't know, because this isn't in the uncanny valley. It looks like a nice thing 
that is non-threatening. And yeah. I assume I that's... mean, unless you're a, another bird. Yeah. Really. Uh, and then it's threatening. So let me describe... What, how would you describe these to somebody who maybe is listening to this on Spotify for some god-awful reason? Oh, and goodness gracious. No. Well, all right. So I, if for some reason you haven't clicked away from Joe Rogan um, you, to look at this beautiful <laughs> bird, I'm going to try to describe it as like one of those pool toys that you used to throw underneath the water so it would go really fast like a little frisbee almost and i don't even know if they make those anymore or or like a statue of a bird that isn't creepy like i'm trying to emphasize how not creepy it is while still looking totally realistic and kind of cute and i'm not like a super bird person yeah. So when I first saw the video, I was like, oh my gosh. Because, okay, so in order to get these robots to fly, they kind of have to run and then throw it like a like a paper airplane. Yeah. Um, wow. But when I first saw the video, I was like, why the heck are they holding these birds to throw them in the air? And then I realized it was the robot. <laughs> like, it... <laughs> It yes. was, it, it's very realistic in a cuddly sort of way without bird poop hitting you all over the place. Um, and then as you finish the video, um, there's kind of a view of what the birds do. Because mm-hmm. not only are these birds made to kind of keep um, birds away from industrial areas, uh like, uh, because the birds are um, made to look like um, f- falcons and hawks and and predatory birds, um, so it's they're made to fly around and 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 keep other birds out of the way so they don't get injured or killed uh, or cause messes or break things or you know whatever birds do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it also is made to gather information so they can count <sighs> and identify other birds. In the area. What? Yeah. Uh, This is so cool. It's so cool. So huge thanks to our Canadian correspondent in Alberta, Erica Ensign. (gasps) Thank you, Erica. Oh, my gosh. Doing this very important research. We appreciate you so much. Oh, I'm so glad uh, we've got, you know, feet and wings on the ground and in the sky (laughs) in Canada. Oh, man. You know what? For once, I think this might be a happy, upbeat episode, which is... Well, don't jinx it. I'm so... Oh, oh, God. Um, um, Knock on... uh, I've been looking at or watching Encanto, so I'm knocking on woods and things. Um, We don't talk about Bruno. Oh, oh, oh. it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, All right. Kathy, have you heard of a man named Peter Scott Morgan? Only because uh, you asked me if I had heard of him before. (laughs) But other than that, I have not. And I have not done any research or looking it up because I'm a very good podcaster. Thank you. And I didn't word it in a vague threat about social media. (laughs) So I think we've all become winners right now. Yes. Yes, we're all winning. 
the the man, well, formerly known as Peter Scott Morgan, was actually the first uh, man in the UK to get a legal marriage. And that's initially how I heard of him, because I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm very gay. And what? I, oh, oh, another coming out party. Um, the, the, uh, the other reason I know about him, though, you know, fast, fast forward um, a decade, and he's now known as Peter Scott Morgan 2.0. And that's because, unfortunately, he was diagnosed when he was around 50 with MNS, um, which is motor neuron system, mo- sorry, motor neuron syndrome, or uh, a- ALS and Lou. Gehrig's disease in the U.S. That's just what they call it in the U.K. And he decided that he, and he says this all the time, he's like, I I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. And he says (laughs) it first. (laughs) I hate the word thrive. I know. So much. That's why I want to get out of the way because he does say it quite a bit. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. As long as we're on the same page because, ew. Yep, yep. Okay, continue. And so so Peter, along with being um, very gay, uh, is a very intelligent and talented roboticist. And he was just like, you know, I, I know that statistically... I should be dead in five years. But I don't think ALS is really so much as a health problem, but an engineering problem. Because what happens with ALS is that your uh, motor neurons start to slowly die. His started with his legs and kind of moved up his body so that he would eventually become completely paralyzed. Or, as he put it, locked in, meaning that he cannot... As of now, as of 2018, actually, he cannot move or speak except for his eyes. However, he... I'm not going to use the word thrive again. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I've I've made my statement (laughs) and I'm ready to (laughs) only cringe internally. (laughs) He, he, He was like, you know... Seriously, this is just an engineering problem. And of course, doctors were like, mm, not so much. <laughs> ha- however, uh, if you think about it, it's like, all right, well, if my lungs are shutting down, then I just need to figure out, uh, like, a machine can power lungs, right? Like, we have life support. And oh, I'm not going to be able to control my bowels, but. I, I I mean, bowels, like, we could sort of change them up so that there's a more efficient system that I, d- you know, don't need as many caretakers. And so then it ends up being his first step is to have a surgery, which he calls a replumbing, so <laughs> that his, um, his urinary tract and his colon are 
connected so that he he can has have like a colonoscopy bag but it's like all human waste and nasties but it's contained in a, in a way that like he he basically empties himself once a day like a Roomba like a Roomba <laughs> yes <laughs> it's so cool um Brilliant. And, and, but uh, he actually had that done while he still had um the ability to speak and move his upper body, which most doctors would not touch that. Like, they saw this as an elective surgery because technically he still could relieve himself and eventually he would need to have a similar surgery. But uh, this, this incredible man, gosh, he somehow convinced convinced a surgeon to uh, just do this like a triple colonoscopy basically before it was necessary and it it worked um and yeah and it's really hard to convey how wild this is because i read his book and this is like 50 pages uh, and with anatomy and stuff and it's just buck wild but um and of course this happened under the uk's nhs nhs national health service um which you know uh we don't have this here in the US so if yeah and it was funny too cuz i was thinking oh in the US you probably could get this done really easily if you had millions and millions of millions of dollars to pay for not right. just the surgery but then the like insurance for the doctor because like if you die under an elective surgery yep, it, yep not great um so th- he he had this idea like all right i am going to just make my internal plumbing more efficient. And after that, he decides, okay, well, now my upper body is going to start shutting down. But we have computers. So there's really no reason I can't live a full life, right? And I I, I know it sounds like I'm kind of being... Uh, um flippant about this but that's really how he has talked about it not just in his book but in the documentary about him uh Peter 2.0 and the podcast series about him <laughs> and in interviews I've spent a lot of time with this man digitally in in the past month um but he's like no really it is an engineering problem it is an engineering problem in just the most like sing-songy lovely way and his like whole theory is well what what does being a human mean we're already redefined we've redefined like what learning is we've redefined transportation and uh, we've redefined what gender is and uh, and accept sexuality so in the past in the next like 20 years we'll probably redefine what it means to be human so why don't i become the world's most advanced cyborg <laughs> literally like why not i don't want to die i have a husband of uh, 40 years who i love more than anything and if you know this <laughs> if this process of being a human guinea pig as he calls himself 
fails, it's tragic, but the exact same way, or rather not the exact same way, but, you know, it would still have the same outcome of him passing away, just in, you know, a a little bit of a less traditional way than most (laughs) folks die. Just a little bit. Just just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And it potentially (laughs) could help other people. Yes. And that's that's where things get really interesting because I, I mentioned super, super expensive uh, and also over the, the pond. But he's so captivating that he's able to just convince not just doctors, but a, a bunch of organizations to give him money. Uh, however, as is a tradition in the world of the establishment, his words, oh, I, I love how he talks. Um, the establishment decides to sort of pull back at the last moment of his final elective surgery, which is a, a, a lar- larynx, I can't say it, the larynx me where his larynx and complete voice box are removed because he um, wanted to have that earlier so that his lungs could be uh, hooked up to a machine earlier that his body so his body could kind of learn how to live with it as he grew older he's about um, 50 now he's about 60 years old and and then he was like, you know, I'm really good at speaking. I'm an awesome roboticist. I bet I can convince just pri- private people to and private NGOs and stuff to give me money to turn myself into a cyborg. And it worked. And there is now a foundation called the Peter Scott Morgan 2.0 Foundation. And wow. it's not just a, an organization to search for a cure for ALS because it it, it, in this sounds I don't want this to sound cynical but things like the ice bucket challenge and other huge waves of fundraising for ALS research that are have looked for a cure just have been really unsuccessful and he wanted to focus on something different specifically just modifying the human body so that you can live with this disability. And I just was sort of entranced by all of this because I, it it was, as I was reading it, you know, it's a story about this gay man who is turning himself into a cyborg along with, you know, n- while he is dealing with a illness that is classified as fatal but to him again engineering problem and i was just kind of grappling with my own ableist thoughts i guess because uh he you know also mentions this started his um transformation initially was because he had his own sort of internalized ableism and hated walking with a cane and well and reasonably hated how folks were looking at him yeah. and especially the the thing that like was a big gut punch was oh they don't t- tell you 
the establishment, <laughs> um, which is basically everyone he thinks is a loser, which I'm, I'm OK with it. He thinks- uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sad about that. <laughs> He's so his like schoolmasters and, um, you know, the people who don't want to spend money at the NHS. Yep, but yep. he's like, you know, no one ever teaches you how to touch a disabled person because we're often literally out, out of sight. Uh, and, and that's another thing he does. He gets a wheelchair that ends up being, he that, that lets him stand up. Uh, l- luckily, he was independent, independently wealthy before this, so he Good. could spend 20,000, exactly. Um, yeah. he, uh, it's also a big thing in the book of him being like, yes, and this costs this much, and this costs this much, because, <laughs> whew, you know, turning yourself into a cyborg really really expensive mm-hmm. but he and and as he's going through this process which also includes you know essentially building a wheelchair to not be a chair um and voice banking which is what you do to kind of um digitize a human voice but um, in a way that in the future it can sort of make all sorts of sounds. So yeah. this is what Siri and the Amazon tube do. Like the there, there's actually multiple people who have just said a bunch of random phrases, and then uh, smarty pants computer scientists <laughs> put it together so that you know if you ask one of them to turn the lights on or off, they are able to respond to you. Even even though right. no one's said that exact phrase. Um, and he's, you know, Peter is uh, voice banking and uh, designing his own avatar because, uh, again, with ALS, unfortunately, you're, um, y- he's not able to control his face muscles. And he's like, I'm not going to look like myself. Is is that bad? Is that like, um, am I ashamed of myself? And kind of comes the the conclusion of, no, I'm making an avatar for myself because that is who I want to be. And I'm going through just a a, any sort of transformation that another person would go through, uh, specifically um, trans people. Hello. And I I mean, it's I want to emphasize it's a beautiful story, but not your traditional story. I don't want to say Tuesdays with Maury, but like like a traditional <laughs> um, chicken soup for the soul type thing. Because um, like he is looking at disabilities in such a practical way. I mean, you know, and he's started this foundation to raise money to not cure ALS, but just make people's lives better and give people back agency and dignity. Yes. And it's, of of course, because of the, you know, uh, the idea of like, oh, no, we're not looking for a cure that makes people hesitant to give money. And uh, they're like, okay, so we're giving money to people to record their voices and make a video game face of themselves. Um, he, he actually literally wears a screen uh, like a um an, an ipad on his chest with 
his avatar uh, of himself on it because he wants people to look at uh, that, um, not his face. Not because, as he comes to the conclusion, that he's ashamed of his face, but because he has tuned his avatar to look like the actually the version of himself that is younger, but more importantly to him, it's when he, the age he met his husband. It's it's just, Aww. it's so nerdy and so gay. That's so sweet. <laughs> Oh God, it's it's so sweet, and I mean, he because he got to choose the date that his um, voice box was removed. He got to choose his last words, which were "I love I love you, Francis." His husband's name. Yeah, I just listened to that part right before we started recording. It. Oh man, but um, and I have also been listening to interviews with his former caretakers and how it's been this really weird uh, experience because they've never had a, a client who had the time and money to basically put them out of a job in a good, a good, a right. good way. And I don't, and you are a caretaker and, uh, and I, obviously Ryan doesn't have ALS, but you put a significant time and energy into your spouse, obviously. And I don't know. I was wondering how you would react to this story from that side of your life rather than the, you know, nerdy Relay FM switch on <laughs> podcast host. Um and I, and I, I also did the super terrible thing where um, I, 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 you know, have like an understanding with my friends who are in wheelchairs. Um, like we, I ask them inappropriate questions that you should not ask anyone in a wheelchair. <laughs> yes. And they ask me inappropriate questions about um, gayness and transness. <laughs> um, but I, you are the only person I know who is a caretaker for someone in their family. Oh, yeah, that that you know of other than a parent. Yes, that that's actually another thing I was was thinking of, because what does caretaker mean to you? Because I'm using it in the sense of someone who is disabled and needs um, help with a wide variety of things. And so I guess when I say caretaker, I I usually initially think of a nurse, which is not always correct, obviously. Yeah, I would I would say that anyone that takes care of another person um, would be considered a caregiver. And I definitely think that that includes parents um because regardless of the age if you have to change a diaper or change sheets if they pee the bed or prepare food for somebody or set out clothing or help them bathe um make sure that they have their medicine um whatever age that person is whether it's a a baby or a spouse or a parent it's kind of there's a big similarity in in it. Um, the difference is that, well, and not everyone has to be a caregiver at one point or another. Like there's uh, the thing is that a lot of times, though, for parents of who care give 
children, it's a choice and it has an end date. I mean, you always Mm -hmm. love and you always care for your kids, obviously, but you don't always have to physically take care of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas most of the time, the only time, well, there, and then there's two phases of uh, caregiving adults or um, uh, outside of the parental parenting of young children type of caregiving. And that's either somebody that needs help to get better or something that the caregiving will only end when the person that you're caring for dies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's a big difference, but it also it lays groundwork for similar thought processes um and can allow you to kind of open up your eyes a little bit um to how different people live. Then I something just uh occurred to me actually because yeah you know, when i think about sort of the stigma around ha- ha- quote having to be a caregiver as an adult that um y- you know you're kind of sometimes you're doing the same things but when it's a child it's totally normal uh, but if it's an adult you know it's people often see it as a as a tragedy but i never put together like did Cass, did you do you feel like you're a or you were more prepared to be a caregiver to an adult because you had already had a kid also you don't need to i i was you do, do not need to answer obviously no that's a that's a really good question that i never thought of before and i almost want to say that yes specifically so my kid was 22 months, almost two years old for the non-parentals in the audience, um, almost two years old when Ryan had his stroke. Oh, my gosh. I apologize. I, Hey, hey, pair of pals. I'm rudely interrupting Kathy, <laughs> because if you're if you're not a, 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 if you're new here, um, welcome. But, but Kathy, <laughs> um, <laughs> your your husband had a stroke, correct? <laughs> This is definitely the first time we've t- talked about it. Yep. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> yes. My husband had a stroke in 2010 um, when our kid was 22 months, which is almost two years um, for those people in the audience that have not uh, aged their children by months. Or um, by someone who doesn't have a kid and who's also a co-host. <laughs> also, also possible. Yep. Yep. And it's really math is really hard. We know this. Um, math is hard. Anyways, um, so the what that means from a like um what's the word when like ah from a development a developmental standpoint, um, is they were still in diapers, uh and like talked and was like a human type of an interaction, not a potato. Um, Mm -hmm. like newborns are, but past the point of like, you were able to have kind of conversations with them and interact and like, what, which clothes do you want to wear? Like point to one, that sort of thing. So we had gotten past the stage of, we do everything for them and we're starting to, they, they started to have their, um, kind of personality come out a little bit and had opinions and that sort of thing. 
Um, and so because we had made it past the stage of I have to make all the choices um, and got to the point of paying attention to their signals and their signs and their interactions, I feel like it was helpful because it meant that I had already kind of stretched those muscles a little bit, the ones to kind of be aware of what another person needs. That, that is, makes sense. Oh, ab- absolutely. And uh, especially because now you made me think of another thing that's t- talked about in uh, this book. Well, in, in all of Peter Scott Morgan's work also isn't I keep saying his full name because his uh husband's last name is Scott and they hyphenated it which is just not something that happened uh I mean it still doesn't happen that often and it's just so cute it's so cute (laughs) and let's be honest Peter Scott Morgan is a very good name right it's very British like oh man this is it it's the most gay British scientist (laughs) name you could have I'm like you go Peter Peter Scott Morgan (laughs) and now he he does it like hello I am Peter Scott Morgan and the wild thing is like it's it it does it sounds like someone almost when when he talks, it uses, um, by it, I mean the algorithm he uses, uh, it, it is becoming more like a human mimicking the sound of a robot versus, <laughs> yeah, versus like an artificial voice trying to sound like a human. But um, with, with MNS slash ALS, typically the your your brain doesn't start to degenerate and that's another thing peter has to start to contend with of like would i feel this way if i uh, you know my uh, if i had some sort of dementia or alzheimers and uh, I, and then i am wondering too like um not how i, I would feel but how much someone would be willing to do in order to um, preserve their mind. And in Peter Scott Morgan's case, he is like, oh, yeah, put put all the chips in my brain, put, you know, put artificial <laughs> neurons in, which I feel like I would also be the that kind of person if I had the uh, time and or money. Um, we we right. joke about how <laughs> about my problematic uh, boyfriend, Elon Musk, because my initial like before I, I mean, my fandom with him was always problematic. But it, what made me fascinated was his company that is also probably a grift, unfortunately, um, Neuralink, which is studying how potentially we can it could download a brain into a computer chip and uh, th- that's like a a whole other thing um but now uh, peter's got the peter scott Burger foundation is looking into um preserving human memories and giving someone the uh, like ch- choice of whether or not they want to you know, if, if if they do die, if they want to leave their loved ones with an AI version of themselves. And we've kind of talked about this story 
stories like this in the past with um, the app Replica. And Mm -hmm. obviously there's the Black Mirror episode about it uh, where a woman literally gets a robot version of her husband. And I, I mean, I don't know. I am kind of wondering what you would do for yourself or or would you I don't know I don't know it's it's really tough like I am a person it's or rather it's not tough because I am a person who uh does not have the physical disabilities but has come to apparently uh the DSM five slash my insurance does say I am disabled. <laughs> so I just keep <laughs> thinking about, um, and, and, you know, bipolar folks are more likely to have dementia, uh, going forward. And, y- you know, um, the, the British gay scientist, Peter Scott Morgan has me all up in my head wondering, would I want to leave, not, not have myself be uploaded because, um, See, again, it's like, who's you? And like, this sounds like I'm on drugs, but I'm not. I'm just being like. (laughs) I think there's a there's an important thing to step, take a step back from in this uh, to start with. And I think it's this idea of um, quality of life. Mm hmm. I am my I I wear contacts every day. My prescription is negative 8.5, which means I am like very, very I have a very, very hard time seeing anything like when I'm in bed after I take my contacts out and I'm reading on my Kindle, um, my Kindle's maybe three or four inches from my face. Um, Do Do you ever drop it on your your face? Uh, no, because oh. I have oh. the 12 South book book for my Kindle, which means I have like the the cover folds behind and it's very comfortable to just hold on to that. Um, well, I you just cost it. me about uh, however much that I'm, I'm sorry. Go, yeah, go on. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I use contacts uh, as a disability aid to allow me to see. Uh, my husband has a brace on his foot um, that lets his foot not drag when he walks because he, even though he's not able to move anything on the right side of his body except for his hip joint, he is able to walk because the brace that he wears on his foot keeps his foot from dragging. Um, he has a cane that he uses if he, like, if we have to go to doctor's appointments or something, um, if we're traveling anywhere further that he's coming with us. Um, we have a wheelchair that he can use that sort of stuff. Um, my mom fractured her pelvis, uh, in the fall, uh, and she now uses a walker to get around. There's no difference in a walker getting to being able to walk and glasses or contacts to be able to see. And I think the same thing come applies to this robotic upgrade of, oh, you can't use your own bowels? Well, let's just replace them. Like, there, why would you not? Like, the, the, we, we have the technology. <laughs> uh, and if it, if it's somebody that can give full consent, 
And bonus if they can pay for it, which obviously mm-hmm. he can. Um, why the hell not? Sorry, why the heck not? The, <laughs> I I mean, um, I I agree. Uh, and but as you know, it expands to um, mind stuff. Like how how much are you willing to alter your mind? Um, and the the why not is human taboo i i guess and uh, before that because rightfully so as you took us a step back before, <laughs> i was so excited about peter scott morgan um like it, it, it there i mean at least i hope in my lifetime um there has been a lot of progress i slash hope towards folks with disability like uh or like even just hearing aids um you you know my i remember being younger and having my great-grandparents just would not wear their hearing aids out of the house and now my grandparents have hearing aids that i like you literally can't see um yeah my dads are really really small yeah and i i it's almost as if the smaller we make, literally, the smaller we make the tech, the stigma shrinks alongside with it. Uh, and I mean, of of course, t- time as well. And, you know. And I think um, people being more vocal about it, um, mm-hmm. uh, just like with mental health, like instead of, oh, you know, um, so and so, we just don't talk about. <laughs> we just don't talk about Bruno. Um, we just don't talk about Uncle Bruno anymore. Um, because you know he went to a sanitarium or whatever. Or I, I've I've just been rewatching The Crown and that whole that episode. Oh, spoilers, mm-hmm. I guess, for season four and history yeah (laughs) um but the the relative like the cousins of the queen who basically were marked as dead and have been had been living in like a home for uh developmentally disabled people uh for decades and like we i mean yes it still happens um and there's a lot of stigma that it still needs to be worked on, especially with invisible disabilities. Um, FYI, if somebody has a handicap placard in their car, you have no right to ask them how they got it. What? Seriously? Do not bother <laughs> or judge Somebody using that spot with a placard. Now, if they don't have a placard, yes, absolutely. Because then they're words that I can't say on um, relay, switch on. Um, <laughs> but uh, if they have a, if they have a disability placard, let it be. Just because you can't see why they need it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So leave that alone. Uh, similarly, if someone who is young and thin and attractive is using a disability advice device, uh, a, an aid 
a, a support thing. Don't say, oh, you're too pretty to need a walker. You're too young to need a cane. Please. No, just just let let them be. Just like you shouldn't comment on somebody's weight. You shouldn't comment on somebody like something that they can't change. Don't don't comment. Don't just don't, especially strangers. That's my rant. I'm getting off the soapbox now. That's no, no, that is not a a, there. There was no rant or a box involved with that. (laughs) Only only a rational and righteous anger. You would think that it was logical. Uh, And I mean, I well, I also was like, oh, my God, people still freaking do that but yeah you know there was a, a time in which i would uh, l- look away from someone in a wheelchair or who had a walker because that is what you know it's like oh it's rude to stare and somehow that became don't look don't at them. look at, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and you know the same way um gosh see and and i'm grappling with my own internalized ableism because I think about how often even now still I like turn my eyes away from someone who's unwell and talking to themselves on the street and you you know presumably an unhoused person and how um I have now been that person but uh but I have a home and I am if I'm having like a bipolar episode that involves hallucinations or I'm talking or acting in a strange way, I am not alone. And, you know, that like um, not not that uh, Matt will my spouse will try to hide it, but um, just, you know, m- make <laughs> he'll be my Kathy. And yeah. like, no, no, no. Move <laughs> along. And that but that's, you know, such a small different experience um not to minimize it just that it's totally different um and and i think it's it's helpful to remember that um everyone has a little something going on some might be a little bit bigger some might be a little bit smaller some might have support some might not some might have knowledge and some might not um so how about we be kind to everybody except for the Nazis? We can the we can, yeah we can we don't need to be kind yeah, to the Nazis. Yes, it's, why are you taking away mouse? It's a beautiful, it's a heartbreaking but beautiful book. About, anyway, sorry, <laughs> everyone should read mouse. <laughs> Stop. I mean, at least books. we're not talking about you know capitalism right now mm, yeah so that's and good. not bruno no nope, but no nope. uh, we don't I, talk about bruno <laughs> i i mean i was also recognizing in myself the other day um because i don't i don't want to shame folks for that that make like s- smaller mistakes um in like or maybe it's my own guilt but i as some one of my uh, not one of my friends but someone i know has long COVID. And I found myself being like, do you really have long COVID? And I'm like, what? Whoa, what? What did you just do there? And I like, oh my God, if someone tells you they have chronic pain or something, like believe them and do the same with 
COVID too? Like, yeah. goodness gracious. I, I don't know. It's something that seems so obvious or rather uh, doesn't seem obvious until it is. And, oh gosh, I'm, I always, I was so excited and I didn't want to make it a bummer. So I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it was me. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're right. Like the, God, the, I've been, uh, I don't know. It's also, you know, grappling with my own mortality be pretty much solely because of this book, but you really did just kind of illuminate it of why, if we can, why not? And um, not to talk about that, that cap, cap, capitalism, but uh, the, the answer <laughs> often, you know, being money. Um, yeah. I just fell in love with this man who is, in indeed, like, I mean, there's not exactly like a uh, governing body who can say who is the most advanced cyborg in the world. Uh, my, he's got my vote. I, yeah. I mean, if there is a committee, I would like to be on it. And uh, I feel like we are the committee since we have a podcast about robots. Yes, that's you know, what? that's true. If you have a podcast, you definitely know everything. About that <laughs> oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Well, uh, Kathy, before I uh, say things that aren't positive, uh, (laughs) are there any other shows on Relay FM Switch On that folks should check out? Uh, I'm going to talk about my own show. Yes, um, yes, I'm so glad. I can uh, because I'm a grown up and I'm an adult and I can. So if you're listening to this show, uh, you might... Uh, also, like uh, my other show, Conduit, uh, where my buddy Jay Miller and I talk about uh, productivity and life and how to be productive in life, but also uh, constant reminders that product- being productive is not um, always the end goal or the best goal or like, yeah, uh, all of those things. Um, but he's he's says it way better than I do. Um, so just just listen to it. Check it out. See if you like us. Um, and uh, you can find that at Relay.fm slash Conduit. Uh, but Alex, what about you? I know it's not another show on Relay, but um, I think there's another show that you do that people should listen to. You know, I do a show called Do By Friday with Merlin Mann, who is also is a show on Relay FM Switch On um, called Rectifs. However, listen to Do By Friday instead. Yes. <laughs> it's a weekly challenge podcast. We we do, we challenge each other to do weird things this week or sometimes normal things. Um, like this week, we used the app Task Paper and it was actually inspired partially by a show you might have heard of it heard of it called conduit because uh, it's just a simple to-do list and yeah I I, I want to revise what you said before not uh, you might like conduit if you like this show if you like this word nonsense you will definitely <laughs> definitely like uh, conduit because well, the same about do by Friday because let me just tell you the last week's episode that I'm almost done with the after show uh because if you go to patreon.com slash friday you can support and get an a 
an entirely extra show of Dubai Friday. And the after show last week basically was peak Merlin man being the most Merlin and Alex <laughs> coming in like an incredible robot that they are to like Merlin man, the Merlin man. Um, <laughs> and oh, basically yeah. <laughs> talks about l- l- lists and piles and it does not sound as like, I swear it's not as boring as that in particularly sounds. Um, but seriously, <laughs> like completely helped me re like, I had I had thoughts. Um, and you know what? This is my show. I'm going to tell you all about them. So I basically <laughs> have like started doing that pile thing where I basically will just brain dump my my things for the day and I put them on a sheet of paper with no priority. There's no like magical ping. It doesn't tell me. I just have it written down so I know what I need to get done for the day. And then I check it off. And when I check it off, it's done. Nothing like refreshes. It doesn't like uncheck because I needed to do an update and it didn't update. And like, I, I like it's just pretty in paper and it's there and it's a pile of things to do. And I now, as soon as we hang up with this, I get to check off the last thing on my list and I'm very excited. Oh my God. Because I'm done for the day. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, Kathy, can I read you a quote from Peter Scott Morgan, which is about from happiness. him or his book? Uh, both. Oh, uh, both. I mean, <laughs> wait, wouldn't? Oh, why? Wait, is there a distinction? Well, you know what? Are, you're you're reading a person. The, uh, I, you know what, Kathy, it's uh, the same as his ex. Is it his skeleton or is it his ex? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's the, the dictionary called? Uh, web, uh, yeah, there, there's Webster's <laughs> dictionary describes the skeleton as the bones inside the body and exoskeleton would be the bones outside the body. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if that's actually correct. I'm going to pretend it is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend as well. Uh, but, but Peter Scott Morgan or Peter Scott Morgan's book, however you, <laughs> you would like to say it, um, he's thinking about his diagnosis with ALS and the dread and fear, uh, but then goes on to say this. Then the new emotions, the positive emotions, began to dominate. I felt a warmth, a sense of power spreading out from my inner core. The last psychic echo of the terrors dwindled into irrelevance, vanquished. With my cheeks still prickling from dying tears, I found myself smiling. I felt exuberant. It's going to be a bit best of times, worst of times, but it's going to be awesome. And we'll have to track down some of the most ultra cool high tech in this corner of the galaxy. It's an adventure. We love adventures. And I really loved that little bit because it it really is. It, when it comes down to it, so many problems are just engineering problems. And we when we get those out of the way, we can focus on the fun human things and, you know, getting rid of our piles and all that stuff. 
I was going to say something to bring it down, but instead I'm not. And I'm going to say that that's beautiful. What was the thing you were going to say? I was going to say it's super easy to solve these problems when you have all of the money to not have to worry about food and who's going to take care of your children. That, yeah. uh, Well, he went on to say that in the next paragraph. Okay, good. (laughs) But also, yeah. (laughs) Good, I'm glad he acknowledged his privilege of not having to Uh, work 80 hours a week to survive and make not a lot of money yeah pay for medical bills well i am alex cox i am kathy campbell and this has been roboism thank you for listening Optimistic. I'm not